Good morning. I'm on? Excellent. Um, so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Aaron, uh, and I am one of the elders here, and it's fantastic again to be together in this new year. So happy new year, happy 2021. Now, Christmas is well and truly over, but the busyness of Christmas always seems to continue throughout the whole year, doesn't it? I think we all, at all times, feel busy. It feels like we've got lots of things going on, and, and each of us will have different things that give demands on our time. But like I say, I think one of the constants for most of us is that there never quite seems to be enough hours in the day to get everything done. But despite this, we will each have certain things that maybe we prioritize above other things, things that we'll almost never miss. So maybe a good example for a number of us would be work. We prioritize work above other activities because actually if we don't go to work, then pretty quickly we'll find that we don't have a job and we're not able to provide for ourselves and for our family. Sometimes, though, for some people, it may be out of a love of something that they will prioritize it. So, so a good example, I'm always in awe of people who are up at, at 5 a.m. and they're running or they're cycling or swimming. They're doing some sort of activity because that's the only opportunity that they get to do it. But again, their love for that sport, their love for that activity is what drives them to prioritize it above other things. So a good question for those of us here this morning that are Christians is where in our life do we prioritize prayer? Do we daily set aside time to be with Jesus. And, and perhaps more tellingly, if we do set aside time to be with Jesus on a daily basis, how often is that time bumped? Under what circumstances do we miss it? Do we miss praying with Jesus maybe because we had a line or because we had another offer? And of course, it begs the question, doesn't it? Should prayer really be that higher priority for us? Or should we be thinking, well, we've got to spend time with people. We've got to spend time in our bed sleeping. Given that God knows everything anyway, does it really matter if we pray every day or if we pray just once a month? Because, of course, God knows our hearts. And as long as we get around to praying at some point, is that enough? Do we really need to treat prayer as critical as an activity, as work, or sleeping, or eating? Well, this morning we're going to be considering this as we look at the place that prayer took in Daniel's life. So we're going to be opening the book of Daniel and reading chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. 
And the king planned to send him, set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with, the, with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now, in keeping with the rest of the book of Daniel, this is quite a remarkable passage. So by way of very quick recap of the first five chapters of Daniel, kind of like a, a previously on Daniel moment, this is what we, 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 we get to in the first five chapters. So the, the book begins with King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He besieges Jerusalem, which is, is where Daniel was from, and Daniel becomes a subject to the king. And then what unfolds is a kind of an incredible series of events where Daniel finds favor with successive kings as firstly he interprets dreams for King Nebuchadnezzar and then he later interprets a kind of ghostly writing on the wall for King Belshazzar. And there's this really clear pattern throughout these first chapters of Daniel whereby we see Daniel remaining faithful to God and we read that Daniel is entirely dependent on God in receiving these prophetic gifts. And accordingly, Daniel takes no credit throughout these first five chapters for the prophetic gifts that God has given to. But actually, what he does is he continually points towards God, and God gets the glory. The kings themselves glorify God with their mouths. And here we see that God's favor towards Daniel has continued as he's miraculously raised to this position of high office, as one of the three high officials and destined to be over the whole kingdom under the new king, King Darius. But Daniel's rivals are clearly jealous and they're angry. So what they do is they trick Darius, as we've just read here, into issuing a decree that for 30 days... No prayers should be addressed to anybody, to any other god, other than to Darius himself. With this, what I'd say is a rather severe punishment of being thrown to the lions if you were to do so. Now, let's just put ourselves 
in that position for a moment. Honestly ask yourself, if this was us, if here in the UAE it was announced that for the next month you're not allowed to pray, you cannot worship Jesus, and if you do worship Jesus, then you're going to be thrown to the lions, to be eaten alive. It's worth asking ourselves, in that situation, how would we respond? And I'd imagine some people would respond by continuing to pray and continuing to worship, but would do so very carefully, in private, ensuring that they're not going to receive this horrendous punishment. And maybe other people would be like, well, it's not worth the risk of it all. Maybe what I could do is, is in 31 days, when I can pray again, I can do a whole month of prayer and fasting. I can double down to kind of pay God back for where I haven't prayed in the previous month. But Daniel does neither of these two things. As it says at verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. You see, Daniel put prayer not just in line with the important activities of life, such as work and eating and sleeping or leisure activities. Daniel prioritized prayer above his whole life. It was the most important thing to him. So what we're going to be doing this morning is we're going to spend some time examining a little bit in further detail this passage and see what we can learn from Daniel as a man of prayer. So if we turn back and again read verses 3 to 5. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Daniel stood out from all the other high officials because of his excellent spirit. And we read here that his enemies, those that were jealous of him, could find no legitimate reason to complain against him. More than this, it's amazing, isn't it, that we read his only weakness, the only weakness as his enemies saw it, was actually in his wholehearted devotion to God. And these are, of course, characteristics that you would expect or that you would hope to see from somebody whose life was dedicated to praying to God, whose life had been shaped by time in the presence of God. And it's worth us considering, what grounds for complaint do others have against us? Are we seen by others as being excellent in spirit? Or are we prone to grumbling and moaning and gossiping? 
or like Daniel, is our only perceived weakness that we are too devoted to God? Is that what people at work would say about us, that we're too devoted to God? That's the one thing that makes us weak. And as we look at Daniel and we consider his devotion to God, his dependence upon God, it of course points us to Jesus who in choosing to lay aside his deity and coming to the earth as a man was choosing to be fully dependent upon God the Father. And as I spoke about earlier, this devotion to God, this dependence upon God is highly evident in the first five chapters of this book and then it's reiterated later in verse 10 of chapter 6 where it says this, He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Again, we see a mirroring of the life of Jesus who spent his whole life dependent upon the Father for provision. And more than this, just as Daniel, sorry, just as Jesus gave up his life in perfect obedience to the Father, we see here that Daniel is prepared to do the same in putting prayer as being more important than his actual life. And we see here in the story of Daniel the fruit of a life that is devoted to prayer, a fruit of a life that is devoted to God. We read in the book of Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 this I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect Time spent in the presence of God is never time wasted. If we're reading, if we're reading our Bible, sorry, if we're praying, if we're worshipping Him, it is the most profitable thing we can do with our time. Because when we do this, He transforms us. He renews our minds. He makes us more like Jesus, just as He did with Daniel. So if our answer to the question, what grounds do others have uh, to complain about you, is anything other than I'm too devoted to God, then like Daniel, we need to spend more time in prayer to him. And what we'll find is if we do, we'll become more like Jesus. But of course, as is the crux of this story that we've just read, if we are like Jesus... If we are like Daniel, it will cause us problems. So let's read verses 6 to 9 again. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the, Mos of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. 
Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. And just to read verse 10 again. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now, all of us here that are Christians have at some point, no doubt, felt pressure to conform with those around us. And and often it can be quite difficult, it can be quite subtle for us to spot. We've got a constant stream of 24-hour news and social media and advertising that actually it can shape the way that we think and it can make us align with cultural norms more than we can even realize that we are. So when we're fed messaging from any source, of course, it's important that we're able to discern whether it aligns with God's word or, 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 or not, so that we, we, we don't accidentally kind of sleepwalk ourselves into disobedience. But here, for Daniel, the message that he received of do not pray to God or face a pack of lions was pretty stark. And I imagine very few of us have faced such extreme consequences for following Jesus. But as we've seen, Daniel makes a choice to put his obedience to God above his obedience to man-made laws. And it's probably worth noting that as he does this, he doesn't kind of do it in a way to, to flaunt the law to make a point. Jesus isn't trying to be, uh, sorry, Daniel isn't trying to be a kind of activist hero here. Rather, he was continuing to pray and worship to God in the way that he always had done. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Clearly, this was the normal pattern of Daniel's life. And in continuing to act in this way, following King Darius's decree, he is effectively treating prayer, he is treating fellowship with God as more important than his life. Which leads us to the question, why? Why would Daniel see prayer as being of such importance? Is prayer really worth giving our lives up for? Or actually, is Daniel just taking a little bit too far? Should we maybe not see prayer as being of that high priority to us? Well, I think in part we can answer this question with what we've already looked at. And that is, when we pray, we become more like Jesus. And being like Jesus is, of course, the very reason for our creation. It's what we were made for. To bear the image of God in order to bring more glory to God... And just as, say, a plant will flourish as it receives light and heat and water. So I'm not a a horticulturalist in any way, so if that's not true, go with it. A plant flourishes when it receives light and heat and water. In the same way, we flourish. We are at our happiest. We receive the most amount of joy when we do what we are designed to do. That is when we live our lives dependent upon God, in a posture of prayer and of worship, in order to become more like him. So this is the first reason 
possibly the most obvious reason for why prayer is, what is worth giving our lives for because it is the very reason that we were created and therefore it brings greater joy than anything else can. But God, in his incredible grace, in his incredible kindness, gives us more. So if we turn back to the passage, we'll see what happens next. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that no that no, anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought out and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. And at the break of the day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den so that Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. So here we find the second reason that prayer is worth giving our lives for. And that is because God can be trusted to deliver us. Despite his efforts, even King Darius, who had assented this law, even he was unable to save Daniel. As it says in verse 14, Then the king, when he had heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. He tried to do everything he could to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. But King Darius could not rescue Daniel. But Daniel's hope was not in King Darius. Daniel's hope was in the only one that was able to save him, the one who created the lions, the only one who was able to shut the lions' mouths. And when we pray, 
to Jesus, this is who we're praying to. No matter what situation we're in, God is sovereign over it. Maybe, like Daniel, you feel right now as though you are in a den of lions. Maybe it's your financial situation, or your health, or maybe it's a relationship. But you feel as though there's no way out, as though you're going to be eaten alive. Whatever situation you are in, God has dominion over it. Likewise, maybe right now you're in a good place. Life is good. Things are going well. Everything is peaceful in your family. Maybe just for, for this season, your, your football team is doing well. Whatever it is, again, at some point, another lion's den is coming. Daniel knew this. Again, I'm going to keep reiterating verse 10. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to God as he had done previously. Daniel was continually dependent upon God. He didn't wait until troubles came before he prayed to him. He didn't wait until he was cast into the lion's den and then start praying. It was the pattern of his life at all times. And the result of this close relationship with God was that he didn't fear the den of lions. He knew that God could be trusted in all things, no matter how bleak. And this is spelt out in the passage. In verse 23, it says this, So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted his God. Daniel trusted in God, and God protected him, which of course gives us a reason to fervently pray to God. But I also think it naturally leads us to the question, well, does that mean if we trust in God, if we pray to God throughout our whole lives, that no harm can befall us? And I think the answer to this question is yes and no, depending on what you mean by the question. Now, if somebody said to me, I had to go into a den of lions, then a big part of my prayer would be that the lion's mouth was shut and that I wasn't going to get eaten alive. Believe me, that would, that would be a fairly large chunk of my prayer time before going into the den. But at the same time, I don't think that this would guarantee that the lion's mouths would stay shut. Because we all know, don't we, that bad stuff happens. And we see throughout the book of uh, both the, the, the books throughout the Old and, and the New Testament, um, this pattern. We see bad stuff happening to people who are trusting in God. And, and one of my favorite examples of this is, is Stephen. And in the book of Acts, who we're told, it, it says that Stephen is a man who is full of the Holy Spirit and grace and power. It tells us that Stephen was continually doing mighty works in, in the name of Jesus. So like Daniel, he was clearly a man of prayer. He was clearly a man that was depending upon God. Yet despite this, despite his dependence on God, Stephen was stoned to death. And he was not just stoned to death, but he was stoned to death whilst he was preaching the good news of Jesus. But as he was being stoned to death, Jesus, uh, sorry, Stephen uh, uttered some remarkable words. And, and we'll read 
what they were in Acts 7, verse 54 to 60. Now when they heard these things, these are the, the people who were opposing Stephen, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. This terrible thing was happening to Stephen. But as it did, he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus so incredibly clearly that he even pleaded for the forgiveness of those that were stoning him. He received all of the grace that he needed to get through that horrific ordeal. And the outcome of it all was, of course, that Stephen got to be with Jesus for eternity. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 17 and 18 are so helpful when we consider our sufferings on this earth. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. When looked at through this lens, where we will eternally experience the infinite glory of God, if we are found in him, we can confidently say that no harm will befall us, just as Daniel could say, no harm would befall him. So this is the second reason we see in this passage that we should put prayer above all else because we can have full confidence that Jesus will deliver us. And then let's turn back to Daniel 6 and read the last section. So from verse 24. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So here we have the third reason that, like Daniel, we should see prayer as being more important than our lives. Because God uses our prayers for his purposes. This is 
Amazing, isn't it? Out of their jealousy towards him, out of their anger, these men thought that they could use Daniel's supposed weakness, that is, his unwavering faith in God, in order to corner him to his demise. But instead, God uses this very plan in order that his glory be proclaimed across the whole earth. As it says, Darius wrote to all people, nations, and languages in the earth, declaring the truth of God. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. What a privilege it is for us as the church that he would use our prayers in order to bring about his plans. It's amazing. As we, as we read in Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So he uses our prayers to bring about his purpose. And as we read here, his purpose is for the good of those who love him. So like Daniel, let's treat prayer as being more important than our lives because prayer brings God's plans and his purposes to pass. And those plans are always in our best interests, the best interests of those who love him. And of course, what we read here in this final section about Daniel, again, provides a a foreshadow of Jesus. Satan through the religious leaders at the time, sought to use Jesus' weakness in taking on humanity, in depending solely upon God. He sought to use this to destroy him. But of course, God had sovereignty over this plan. It wasn't Jesus that was destroyed. It was our sin and the guilt and the shame that goes with it. And the result was that three days later, Jesus was risen, bringing glory to the Father, just as we see in Daniel. And the result is that we are made righteous in the sight of God, meaning that we can live lives that bring glory to the Father, just as Daniel did. And the result will be that one day Jesus will come back, he will inaugurate his kingdom and all its fullness both here on earth and in heaven. And all people, tongues, and nations shall declare the glory of God forevermore. This is how mighty the one that Daniel was praying to is. And this is who we miraculously have access to when we get on our knees and we pray. So let's not waste our lives on other things. Rather, let's seek to dedicate our lives praying to the one that has power to save. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have made a way for us to come into your presence. We thank you, Lord, that when we call out to you, you have power to save, that you can be trusted, Lord, to deliver us from our enemies. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we approach this prayer week, Lord, that you would be teaching us to pray, that you would be putting within us prayers that align with your will 
And Lord Jesus, I pray that, that you would be doing something mighty, Lord, as, as we, we approach this, this, this week of prayer, Lord, and, and, and fasting. I pray that you would be working mightily here in Grace Church to bring more glory to yourself and more people into knowledge of you. In Jesus' name.